The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Alan Troutman is a puppeteer working as lead puppeteer and puppetry technique instructor for the Jim Henson Company and in feature films, television and commercials with The Muppets and many other productions. He's performed in over 250 primetime series episodes as a lead character and performed lead characters in many feature films. And we've got him on the line here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Thanks. Good to be here. So how did you get involved in performing in the first place? Well, performing is something, boy, that that I've just always wanted to do. I'm just naturally kind of a ham. And uh, there's probably some deep well of need in my soul that <laughs> that is filled by, by getting in front of people and having them look at me. <laughs> um, but um, uh, I've just always uh, enjoyed getting a laugh out of people. You know, I, I just uh, really enjoy seeing people smile and um, uh, I, I put those two things together. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it was inevitable that I ended up uh, ended up on stage one way or another. Yeah. And when you became a puppeteer, did you require any training for that or had you practiced before? You know, nowadays there's there's lots of ways to train to, to be a puppeteer, which let's face it is a pretty specialized uh, field uh, yeah. and pretty specialized um, skill. Mm. Um, but when I was uh, coming up, this was back when I was in college um, and uh, in the uh, very early 70s, and uh, back then, you know, Sesame Street had been on the air for like two or three years. Mm. And so that style of puppetry, the, the Henson style of using a uh, TV monitor and um, with, with puppets that work well on a TV screen, uh, was all relatively new. And, and they had uh, basically invented a new style of puppetry. And that's when I started doing it. And so um, I just lucked out basically by auditioning for this um, public TV uh, show that was uh, looking for uh, puppeteers, but realized that there probably weren't a lot of trained puppeteers around. This was in St. Louis, especially. Yeah. It's not like you're in New York or London, uh, where uh, where Henson had worked before. And um, so they were willing to train people to be puppeteers who could do voices. 
And uh, voices is something I knew I was uh, pretty good at. So I I auditioned and they stuck a puppet on my hand to see if I had any aptitude at all. (laughs) And it just became one of those things where I sort of just knew what to do instinctually. Mm. Um, And uh, there, there wasn't any formal training but uh, it was uh, it was a lot of on the job training, uh, and there were two people there who were more experienced than I was, and they gave me pointers. Uh, but um, it was learn as you go. And uh, boy, just recently I <laughs> I saw an old uh, YouTube video of one of these early episodes of this TV series that I did. Wow. It was called the, called the Letter People, <laughs> and uh, I I looked at it. I said, Oh my God, I'm so embarrassing. What am I doing? <laughs> I didn't know anything. I'm just looking at this and cringing. Um, but you know, over the years, I got better. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good thing to look back on your old work and cringe because it means you've improved <laughs> at the very least. Yes, yes, it's it's tough to watch, and <laughs> you have to just turn it off after a minute. But uh, what I what I, I guess what I did notice was just sort of my uh, my gumption, <laughs> my <laughs> my um, enjoyment of the work, and my uh, uh, ability to. Um, just sort of dive into a character and to a situation. Yeah. And that is something that, you know, uh, I, I guess I've always had. Um, and it's always served me well for uh, uh, being able to um, uh, do the kind of work I've, I've been doing all along. Now. Yeah. And when did you discover that you were good at doing voices? I mean, had you done impressions of people or was it just funny voices? Yeah, I didn't really do impressions, um, but... Uh, I when I was in high school, there was a uh, a, a group uh, called the Firesign Theater, mm-hmm. and they uh, were doing these uh, basically like uh, radio theater type productions, but applying the types of um, kind of psychedelic late sixties um, uh, recording techniques. Uh, multi-tracking and layering yeah. that the Beatles were were pioneering, and just applying it to essentially like radio drama. <laughs> and uh, if if you've never heard the Firesign Theater, they you really should check them out. They're a seminal uh, Los Angeles uh, group that um, they did. They were basically like four DJs and voiceover artists who. Uh, wrote all of this material and performed it live and then did these recordings that were just mind-bending and uh you know for an impressionable uh, high school student um i had a couple of friends who were uh all all of all three of us were like totally into the fireside theater and we would just do perform entire album sides on our own you know yeah. <laughs> um and uh it was uh it was great training for for doing uh for doing character voices yeah. and basically that's the type of thing i did for my audition <laughs> yeah, i just did this kaleidoscope <laughs> of voices and they were like i don't know what to make of this kid but he certainly has some energy <laughs> yeah and one of your early roles was playing the tarman in Return of the Living Dead. Uh, 
How did you get that role? Well, that was um, uh, quite a few years after college. I was um, uh, working as, a, as an actor uh, and sometimes puppeteer. This was in the um, uh, early 80s. Yeah. And uh, I, I had done work as a puppeteer. I had actually had some little more training by then and had started uh, working um, both as an actor and as a puppeteer. I went to uh, California Institute of the Arts for my um, master's in, in acting. And so I was looking to become a, a you know, stage actor and hopefully break into film and TV. And I knew I was never going to be like a leading man. I was always going to be like a character actor. Um, so I, I figured I had a long, long road ahead of me that where I could ramp up. And, and I know a lot of character actors don't come into their own until they're middle age. So um, I was I was happy to do what I, I could at the time. And uh, one of the auditions I got as an actor through my agent was this uh, Return of the Living Dead thing, which I, I looked at the, um, I don't know if I had a script beforehand or if I just saw the one scene I was in and I'm like, all right, uh, I, I saw this <laughs> thing where he's, he's this zombie and he's like falling apart because he's all just like uh, liquefying and he doesn't really have any muscles left <laughs> and yet he's strong enough to like bite into people's skulls and eat their brains and I'm like okay I've got a couple of questions here <laughs> <laughs> how does that work what how does he have the strength and then I you know realized very quickly that um, uh, those aren't the right questions <laughs> to be asking for this and that it's a I should just take it at face value as a zombie film and I should just be as scary and, uh, and uh, menacing as possible. And um, it's the type of role where I think um, having done uh, some puppet work uh, informed my, my audition because I understood how a, a body's movement, how my body movement could uh, work to um, sell the, uh, the the power, uh, the, the scariness of this of this creature, yeah. you know, because it's really basically a, a full body puppet is what it is, mm. and that's kind of what I treated it as. So yeah. uh, it worked out. <laughs> yeah. And of course, in that role, you're unrecognisable. So how yeah, long yeah. did it take you to go into makeup and get all that done? Luckily, the uh, the whole look of the thing was, you know, a lot of a lot of times it's, it's uh, extensive prosthetic work where they're gluing little bits of stuff all over your face. Yeah. Um, but in this case, everything was sort of pre-made. Mm. The, uh, the whole head was just kind of like a Darth Vader helmet <laughs> that was pre-made. Uh, the, the body was just a suit that I put on top and bottom, you know, and some mm. gloves and shoes. So it didn't really take me that long to get into it, thankfully. Yeah. You know, otherwise it would have been one of those things where I'm sitting in a chair for four hours yeah. getting into it and then very <laughs> carefully removing these things. But um, it, it helped that I was a, uh, you know, or just this really tall, skinny kid at that point. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was 29, but um, I was, you know, really just kind of skinny. And so they were able to put this suit on me that uh and still make it look like i was just bones sticking out you know yeah. it was believable 
Um, so uh, it was uh, it was a fortuitous thing. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they still got me into makeup. They got me into uh, into my costume like hours before I was needed. And I just mm. remember sitting around forever on the set, <laughs> which you couldn't really sit in a chair. I was on a slant board and I couldn't really do anything. And um, uh, people would just sort of walk by and not want to talk to me because they didn't know what that thing was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was a lot of mind control there. I learned how to meditate <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> and you got what could be called your big break in puppetry when you started working with the Jim Henson Company. How did you yeah. get the chance to work for, at that time, is probably the biggest puppetry company? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, it was uh, uh, luck. Um, fortunately, you know, when I, um, I had started working in L.A. as a puppeteer, I met a number of other puppeteers. It's a small group of people and we all uh work together all mm. frequently and we look out for each other and we mention when there are jobs coming up and, um henson was uh at that time doing most of his work in london and new york mm. but he was coming out to la to do um uh the uh, muppet vision 3d film which uh played mm. at uh, yeah i think it that premiered in florida at the theme park and then it was like california adventure um it was a wonderful uh uh ride it was one of these 3d movies with the with animatronics and effects and all these other things that happened in the in the theater and um it needed a large cast and so they were casting people for the first time in la in a long time since they did the first ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, um, I think it was the first Muppet movie. They had a, a couple a couple of bits that they did in L.A. Wow. In any event, um, they needed like 25 L.A. puppeteers. And I, just luck, as luck would have it, um, One of my puppeteer friends, his wife was the choreographer for the um, suit performers who were doing um, the live Muppet stage productions at Disneyland. Okay. So, yeah, it was one of those things. So she knew about it. So he knew about it. And then he told me about it. And he said, "I I can get your name on the audition list. I said, sure. Yeah, please. And thankfully, uh, that led to uh, basically the the rest of my career. Yeah. And you joined the Jim Henson Company in early 1990. And of course, Jim Henson died in May 1990. So there's a bit of a window there. Did you get a chance to meet him? I did. Um, We worked, obviously, he was directing the Muppet Vision 3D. And then uh, there were four of us L.A. uh, puppeteers who were being used um, to basically uh, test out various portions of the the cut of the film, uh, where they wanted to see what it would look like with all of the animatronic uh, characters. So, for example, um, Statler and Waldorf were going to be two animatronics that popped up in the uh, box. It was a recreation of the actual Muppet Theater, you know. Um, And so before all of those things were built, they just wanted to run the show and look at the cut. And uh, so they just had the actual puppets there and the voices were all pre-recorded. And so there were four of us L.A. puppeteers who would work on these screenings. So, you know, the all the bigwigs would come in, the CEOs and the, all of that would come in to view the cut. And I would, we would just lip sync to Stadler and Waldorf, me and, uh, and my friend um, uh, Kevin Carlson. And, um, uh, and of course, so that was um, just working, you know, basically directly with Jim to stage these things. Uh, and it was it was very awkward at first <laughs> with the four of us just standing around in the same room with him. It was like, man, what do you say to somebody like that? It just came out gibberish, I think. I just really embarrassed myself. Um, <laughs> but it was uh, it was a great experience. And uh, unfortunately, um, we then passed away in May before the, the cut was was locked. And uh, Frank Oz took over eventually. And we did, I think, one more screening uh, with Frank's cut, which ended up being, if not the cut, or something close to the end. Um, mm. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a, um, I got to see how he worked at least when he was directing this, this big, if you've, if you've seen the, uh, the film, it's this big, huge finale with yeah. hundreds of puppets on it. It's just crazy. Yeah, is that the one that's a salute to all nations, but mostly America? 
<laughs> yes, yes. And it had, you know, marching soldiers uh, with the firing with the cannons and the, and the marching bands. And it was just insane. Did you get starstruck when you met Jim Henson and indeed some of the other performers like Frank Oz maybe and performers that have created and brought to life such iconic characters? Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. It was... Um, we didn't have too much to do with them directly, but um, all of the interactions I did have uh, were were just uh, top notch. They were all yeah. just so accommodating and um, uh, kind and giving. I remember there was one shot uh, where it was a line of I don't know half half a dozen of these uh, toy soldiers, and. Uh, I was like in the front of the line and right next to me was a cannon wow. that goes off. Right. So, uh, and then we like hold the guns up or something like that. I don't know what the action was. So it was me and then Steve Whitmire and Dave goals. And we're just like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, Holy moly. I'm in the big, big leagues now. And so I said, uh, I said to Steve who's standing next to me, I go, Steve, shouldn't we, shouldn't we like, I was thinking I should react when this thing goes up. It's standing right next to me. I should like look at it or get scared or something. Uh, uh, he goes, oh yeah, it's a good idea. Let me, let's mention it to Jim. So um, he says, uh, he, you know, Jim comes over, he says, Jim, uh, and he, he gave me total credit. He says, Alan had a great idea that maybe he should react when the cannon goes off and jump a little bit. And Jim says, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Steve, you do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we switched places <laughs> and so steve did that i said all right well i guess that's how that works <laughs> but you know that was one of the ways uh, jim was able to maintain quality control when there were so many moving parts he just yeah. wanted to have his best people in the most critical positions so he didn't have to th think about anything else or worry about anything else so yeah. it wasn't that he didn't trust the newcomers but that he's knew who to trust you know so that was an interesting uh, uh lesson there yeah and is there anything about puppetry that you've only really learned yourself recently wow at this stage of the game it's not so much learning things new as it is maybe relearning some things that i i may have um let uh slip under the radar mm. um early on i remember when i first did uh dinosaurs i had stage experience and so as a stage actor you memorize all your lines that's just all there is to it but as a puppeteer you know you're not on camera and you're working with a monitor you're looking at the at the tv monitor the whole time and most puppeteers will just pin the lines next to the monitor yeah. So they can use it as a as a guide. They may not uh, stare at it because you can't stare at the lines while you're trying to look at the performance on the monitor. But you you know you go back and forth and you refer to it. And um, after a few takes, if you get a few takes, you don't really need them anymore. You learn how to how to focus on on the uh, being in the moment. Um, which is the, the most crucial thing of all in, in terms of good acting. Um, and, you know, the Muppets are, are if nothing if not good actors. <laughs> you know, they're always in the moment. They're always present. And if everybody were always reading off of a script, it wouldn't be like that. 
Um, so when I was doing my first day, I remember on dinosaurs, I was like, okay, I've memorized the script. And of course, on the first take, you know, dinosaurs was just this huge production. It was the most expensive half hour of television on tele on TV at the time in history. And, uh, we were all feeling the, the pressure. Um, it was my first network television uh, job. Um, day one of shooting and I was trying to memorize the script so I didn't even have the script up there to look at and of course we rolled and I went up on my lines because it was just so um, disorienting the whole thing um, so from that moment on I always had the dialogue up there but the tendency after a while is to want to rely on the script and not do yeah. the prep work, you know? So you sort of skim the lines and you know the thing, and then you can kind of keep it fresh if it's if it's a poppy kind of jokey dialogue. And yeah. honestly, the um, a lot of a lot of dinosaurs was like that, and so you could get away with that. But um, and it's just easy to uh, to do that for for you know for everything. But I on uh, uh, um, the Barbarian and the Troll, the, one of the last things I did, uh, which was a Nickelodeon series, um, I did a couple of characters that I just loved, and I really wanted to, and I had full control of. Um, unlike a lot of the, uh, the animatronics, where it's three or four puppeteers doing one character. Um, and one of them is doing the eyes and one of them is doing the lips, you know, um, with this, it was a hand puppet that I had full control of. And so I really wanted to, uh, do the best job I could and keep it really in the moment. Yeah. So I, I went back to basics on that. And I said, I'm going to not pin up my dialogue. I only did it once or twice when it was like really heavy yeah. dialogue. I had a lot to say. And I just, it, I knew I didn't want to blow it too many times in a row. <laughs> but um, I was able to, yeah, I, I went up on my lines once or twice, mm. but you know, it's, it's okay. It's what you, it's what happens because it paid off in the performance. It was some of the most um, uh, in the moment, alive kind of um, character work I, I, I think I've done. I was really, really pleased with the with the finished product as a result. Mm. Um, and uh, so that was, I guess, something I relearned over the years: the the importance of uh, of um, being in the monitor and being in the moment. What projects have you got coming up for you? Is there anything you're allowed to talk about? No. Um, well, <laughs> you know what? They just they just announced um, for Apple TV Plus. Uh, a new series called Slumberkins, uh, which is coming up uh, in October. Maybe. I don't know where it is in the UK, but uh, mm. uh, what when it's going to air in the UK. But um, uh, it's a wonderful show that addresses the um, emotional needs of young children. Mm. So it's a, it's a basically like a preschool or young. Uh, kindergartenish um, uh, age range, but it uh, uses um, uh, this very uh, interesting sort of technique. It teaches kids how to almost like objectify their emotions, so they can mm. look at them and and say, "Okay, here's how I'm feeling. What am I? How am I? You know, going to control this?" And it's getting kids to learn about how to live with their emotions, which is such a fantastic 
um, uh, uh, project to to explore. Um, so uh, I, I didn't do the entire series of that. I wasn't a regular on that, but I did work mm-hmm. on a number of episodes. And so I just uh, want to let people know about it because I think it's really wonderful. If you have um, uh, younger kids, it's a, it's a great show to uh, teach them how to, how to um, deal with their emotions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where are we able to keep up to date with you everywhere? I'm on um, uh, Instagram. Uh, just uh, It's all my, just my name, Alan Troutman, but you got to spell it right. A-L-L-A-N-T-R-A-U-T-M-A-N. Yeah. <laughs> Not chart like a fish. No, no. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I even have a, a separate um, uh, for a, a Facebook page for my uh, Tarman fans called Alan's Fans. So you can look that up. Uh, Twitter is uh, Alan Tramman. It's also just basically alantramman.com if you want a good overview of what my old oeuvre uh, looks like. <laughs> yes. Well, many thanks for joining us today. It's been great to talk to you. My pleasure. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Throbbing Pulse of Sound, the Toby Gribbon Show.